with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Monday morning, Albert Wishart in the host chair, Steve on the production board. And I will just say right now, it is slippery out there, people. Watch yourselves if you're out on the road, whether you're driving or walking. The sidewalks can be just as slippery as the roads. And slippery is, of course, ice. And Thursday evening, we're going to start the show with an interview I did Thursday evening on our post-to-post show with Kathy Lewis, who is the president of the Outdoor Ice Oval. People looking outside of the weather right now might be going, uh-oh, they must be getting really close. <laughs> yeah, we have to have a pretty good stretch of pretty cold weather to have us start making ice. It takes about a week of hand flooding, and so we need it to not come above zero during the day um, in order to get enough hand floods in to start building our ice. So we're a little ways away yet, but just listening to your long-range forecast just now, I think probably in the next week or so is when we might start building ice. Wow. Is that, how does this compare to most years for the outdoor ice over then? Like mid-November, is this about when you guys are normally putting in the ice? Well, sometimes it actually, we don't get started until early December. Last year we had an early start. Um, it's, it, you know, it really changes each year from one year to the next. Like I said, we need a pretty solid week or so of pretty cold weather to get the ice going. So now, um, COVID came around the middle of March and just brought everything to a screeching halt. Was the ice still in at that point? Uh, we were just wrapping up our season around then, so we did continue having some ice available when we were starting the various lockdown measures with COVID. And we still had the ice oval open with physical distancing requirements in place, but it was only, I think it was pretty much less than a week, and then the uh, temperature warmed up enough that we lost our ice, and that was it for the season anyway. Jeez, the nerve of the temperature warming up in the spring around here. Yeah, it always causes us a little bit of grief, but, um, you know, we, we usually manage to get ice until at least the first week of March, and we've been lucky the last little while we've had ice into uh, the second week or even the third week. Now, have you been having people calling you, talking to you, asking when you figure the ice will be in this year? Because I think people are starting to get a little bit antsy to get out again. Yeah, for sure. We've had lots of interest uh, around the oval. People even wondering if we're putting ice in at all this year because of COVID. So definitely folks are interested in doing some skating outside. And we do plan on, on having ice. It, you know, we're keeping a pretty close eye on the provincial health orders and those kinds of things. We want to make sure that not only the public, but our volunteers are also safe. And so the current plan is to um, is to put in ice. We may not be maintaining it quite as frequently as we have in the past, but um, we know it's going to be under high demand this year for an outdoor activity. Now, did you guys have to put in one of those return-to-play plans for with the Ministry of Health or whoever to be able to go ahead this fall and winter? We have not had to do that. I have been in communication with the city regarding our plans, and we have our safety protocols are in place right now for um, the people who are working on our equipment, getting it ready. So we have not had to, at least not yet anyways, put in any uh, plans for approval, but we have been in communication with the city on what we require. So... Uh Anybody who, say, used it in that last week back in the spring before it before the ice just disappeared, um, 
if they came back out for say the first week when you get the ice in now, would they, would they notice any differences? Yeah, there will be a few differences. For one, we will not be opening Canfor House, which is the, the warming facility that we have, which is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But as a volunteer organization, we just cannot um, ensure that it's properly sanitized and that people are maintaining physical distancing. So we're closing that for this season. We will have extra picnic tables on site for people to change onto, into their skates. And unfortunately, we won't be doing skate rentals either, also mm-hmm. for the same reason, just to maintain uh, safety. Now, have you guys done any sort of calculations as to how many skaters you could, shall we say, legally have on the ice at any one time? We have not done that. Um, people on the ice, I think, uh, will be mostly uh, skating in you know, small family groups. Mm-hmm. That's what we've observed in the past. Where we have our pinch points is at, in the change facility, which is why we're closing Canfor and trying to get people to spread out changing. We will be watching that, however, over time. And uh, we may have to reach out to folks in the city again to have some advice on whether we have to start limiting numbers of, of skaters. But, you know, we're a volunteer-run organization, and we don't have the people power to put <laughs> monitors down there, for example. So if we were to have to do that, we would probably have to get some help from the city. Now, assuming no rules change for this area between now and when you guys start, is there any thought as to what the rule will be regarding masks? Will people be required to wear masks from the on the ice, or will it be up to each individual skater? It will be up to individual skaters. Currently, um, Dr. Bonnie Henry has not mand- mandated masks, especially for outdoor activities. And furthermore, we would have no way to, to reinforce that, if, um, if she, even if she did. So at this point, we're not asking people uh, or requiring people to wear masks. It's up to individuals to decide what they want to do. Okay. And again, um, I'm wondering, because I'm, I'm trying to remember, how does it work when you come in? I know at one time there was like a donation box or something when you came into the uh, ice oval. Is that still in place or how are you doing that this year? We've had a, uh, a that's actually a fee box. It's not mm-hmm. a donation. We expect people to pay their two dollars to go skating or five dollars for a family. Mm-hmm. And there's a it's an honor system though, so we do have a drop box there. This year we will be maintaining that, but we are also going to be really uh, encouraging people to get passes, a family pass or an individual season pass, so that we don't have to be handling cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will be available at different points right after we start. We'll have a, a system set up for people to be able to uh, to get a hold of us, an easier individual or a family seasons pass. But otherwise, it'll be the same system as we, we've used before with the Dropbox. So if they've got the pass, it would just be as they should just carry that with them when they come down, just in case anybody asks. That's right. We ask people to wear the pass so it's visible and then folks know that they have purchased a season's pass, and if they don't put money in the box, and that explains why. So it's almost like being out at the ski hill. Yes, I think so. Yeah, that's pretty much, it's pretty similar that way. Okay, now, you guys, so you're saying hopefully next week you might be able to start putting the ice in. Gee, that turns out to be right about the same time as you're going to be holding your AGM. <laughs> Yeah, the AGM is on the 18th. Um, We're watching the weather, and we're just waiting. Like I said, we need to have a good, solid 
cold period there, especially this year when we have a few less volunteers than previously. Uh, we want to make sure that we're not having volunteers put in ice and then two weeks later have to turn around and do it all over again. So we're waiting for a good solid stretch of cold weather before we start. So the AGM on the 18th, I'm going to take a wild guess and say you're not getting together somewhere to hold it. No, it's going to be remote by, by Zoom like many organizations are doing. Um, and so it's a little less satisfying. Um, I think all of us that have been involved with various Zoom events, it's not quite as satisfying as sitting there in person, but at least we can hold our event. We can talk about all the good stuff that happened last year thank our volunteers who were um, around last year helping us out and talk about our plans for this upcoming year. Um, at least we get to do that, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. So how can people, who would be eligible, I guess you could say, to take part in the AGM? Is it basically open to the public? Well, the AGM, we sent all the notice to our, our uh, members, the Outdoor Civil Society members, and we also have uh, the information is posted on our website and also um, on our Facebook page. And there's an uh, email address there for people to email if they would like to attend, and, and then we will respond with the Zoom link. Okay. So it's not just going to be an announcement saying we're going to put it on our Facebook page at this time. There is going to be an actual link people have to follow to be able to come to the meeting. That's correct. I need people to get in touch with us if they would like to attend, and then we will forward the link. Uh, people who were members last year, society members, already have the link that's been sent to them. Okay. Now, what does being a society member entail? Society members are people who purchase the season's pass. So either a family or an individual, they purchase a pass. They are also, at the same time, purchasing a membership to our society. Okay, so if you figure on using the Oval Affair a bit, purchase your season pass before November the 18th, and you can get the link to the AGM as well. Well, that, that's right, and anybody who's just interested and would like to attend the AGM, they can just go on our website, pgoval.ca, and uh, there's a um, contact link there, and they can get in touch with me, and I will provide them with the AGM link. Okay, so it sounds as if you guys had... I don't necessarily want to say an easier summer than a lot of groups, but because you didn't have to come up with a return-to-play plan or anything, you could basically just say, here's what we did last spring. It seemed to work for that week that we had. Is there anything we need to change? You didn't have to do a lot of real planning over the summer. No, we haven't had to do a lot of planning over the summer, although I put in quite a bit of effort developing the safety plan for this upcoming season. You know, things change between last March and now, and, and they may very well change again. And one of the things that we're looking at is just paying very close attention to provincial health orders and making sure that we are in compliance with those. So we've made it pretty clear on um, our information that's on our website now that it, it, is, it is a dynamic situation, and while we have one set of plans in place now, it's quite possible that they will change down the road. So I guess you, like a lot of people in Prince George, were probably fairly happy last weekend, I guess it was, when Dr. Bonnie Henry actually split the province into the people who are doing a good job with COVID and the people who aren't doing such a good job and said, you guys are doing a good job, you can keep going the way you're going. 
Well, I hope that's the case. Um, you know, I have observed that folks in Prince George, you know, for the most part, do seem to be paying attention to the, um, you know, recommendations to wear masks indoors and limiting their social interactions and so on. And, uh, you know, I just hope that people can continue to do that because it will allow us to stay open and to provide a nice skating facility. Um, you know, if we start having problems like the Lower Mainland has, then, you know, all bets are off and we may have to change what we're doing. Yeah. So are you looking at possibly having signs up near the entrances that people come in at, just reminding them about social distancing and stuff like that? Absolutely. We don't have those in place quite yet. I have signage on the equipment building for our current volunteers, uh, and I'm working with the city on appropriate signage for maintaining social distancing, making sure that people know that sanitation is their responsibility, that it's an unmonitored facility, and so on. So we will have that, and as much information as possible, we will have out there. And just so people know, I'm trying to remember this as well, the facility is open basically every day as long as the season keeps going, right? Like there's no, is there a temperature below which you guys would close the ice oval? No, there's no temperature below which we close. Um, We do close the oval on occasions when we get mid-season thaw and the ice becomes unsafe, so we will close then. Um, Otherwise, we're open seven days a week. And uh, this year we may have slightly reduced hours, maybe starting a little bit later in the day, just to give our volunteers a little bit more time so that they can make sure that they are physically distancing while they're doing their job. I expect that may take a bit longer to do ice maintenance than we've done in the past. So we may have slightly reduced hours, but we will be open seven days a week, uh, weather permitting. Okay, and is there ever any time where there's too much snow to have the facility open? Um, We have an amazing crew of volunteers, and we've had some enormous snow dumps, and it will take us several hours to clear, and in that case, obviously, our ability to open the oval is a little bit delayed, so instead of opening at 11, we may not be able to get the gates open until 1 in the afternoon if we have a major dump. Um, But we've never, that I know of, have have completely not opened one day because of snow. But it's a huge effort on behalf of our our volunteers to get that snow cleared. Uh So again, uh, the Outdoor Ice Oval, keep your eyes on the uh, website for the information. And that's also the place to go if you want to sign up for the AGM. So, Kathy, again, what is the website address? It's just pgovals.ca. Wow. So hopefully you guys will actually be able to attend the AGM and not be out there making ice on November the 18th. (laughs) Well, we'll see. We're watching that weather. Okay. Kathy Lewis with the Outdoor Ice Oval Society. Thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you, Alan. My pleasure. Okay. And we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more after 9. Do you like a good bluegrass song? Enjoying hearing music from the likes of Bill Monroe, Rhonda Vincent, and the Lakeside Ramblers? Then tune in to Back Porch Pickens Sunday evenings at 5 on 93.1 CFIS-FM for an hour of great bluegrass old and new. I'm Corey Walker and I'm thrilled to take you on a musical journey each week as we explore the world of North American bluegrass. Catch Back Porch Pickens Sunday nights at 5 only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. 
Prince George's newest seniors community is waiting for you at 1444 20th Avenue. Riverbend Manor offers a safe, affordable, and centrally located rental housing option. Rent is based on your income and includes three daily meals, all of your utilities, housekeeping, and much more. Riverbend has a jam-packed weekly calendar of activities to fit both active and passive lifestyles. Part of Prince George's leading seniors community, Riverbend Manor. Call 250-596-8097 to book your tour today. You want it, you got it. Boston Pizza is bringing back some traditional BP classics. For a limited time only, Smoky Spaghetti, the Pizza Burger, and the Bacon Double Cheeseburger Pizza, to name a few, are back in action. Take advantage of this menu special by popping by either great location. You can also order online at bostonpizza.com through Skip the Dishes or give them a call. Boston Pizza Spruce Land and Boston Pizza Brookwood. Open daily at 11 to serve you. Boston Pizza. Stay safe, Prince George. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, mainly sunny, wind up to 15K, a high of minus 1 with a wind chill this morning to minus 9. Tonight, increasing cloudiness, snow beginning overnight with wind to the north at 20, a low of minus 4 with a wind chill this evening to minus 10. On Tuesday, snow mixed with rain or freezing rain in the morning, then mainly cloudy with a 40% chance of showers, north winds becoming south near noon, and a high of 4. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George. You're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And we are going to head up the hill up UNBC way for our next guest. Joined now by Linda Ness with the David Douglas Botanical Garden Society. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad. And yourself? Very well, thank you. Thank you. Now, let's get a couple of things straight off the bat for people who may not know. Number one, where is the garden? Where is the David Douglas Botanical Garden? The garden is on the UNBC grounds, Mm -hmm. um, and as as you come in around Ring Road, it's on your right-hand side, kind of across from the Agora and the administration buildings. Okay. And now, what is the garden? Like, how long has it been around, and what is in the garden? It's the, the society has been uh, since 1991, and the vision of the society has always been to have a botanical garden in Prince George. So around, um, and it's before my time, around 2005, 2006, um, the university donated that piece of land, it's 1.1 hectares, I think, um, to the society to develop. And um, all volunteer work and in-kind labor and um, stuff, the, um, the garden has been built up over the years. And most people recognize the garden by that bridge, yeah, the, the big bridge. And, and that was built um, initially almost when the garden was built. And the garden is um, what we call a demonstration garden. It's not a full-blown botanical garden um, at this point, although we are working on an mm-hmm. expansion. And it, it was to show people what grows well in Prince George, because we are Zone 3, which is a difficult zone to um, grow things year-round, like Vancouver is Zone 6 or 7, so everything grows there, right? But what grows in the north? So we have a great selection of perennials and shrubs and trees um, and things like that that show what we can grow in the north. Now, how much has the garden expanded over the years? Like, has there been some expansion with people coming to you and saying, you know what actually grows here as well? 
We have that. We have uh, master gardeners uh, associated with the society. Um, we have about 30 master gardeners as part of the society. And usually we are the people that develop. We talk to people, of course, in the community as well. But um, we, are the, we, we experiment with different things that grow and um, interesting things that do grow now that didn't used to grow. Uh, because of climate change, we're finding that, you know, we're moving more to maybe even a zone four for some things. And um, so, yeah, we're always looking around for different um, different types of things. Now, have there been any problems, shall we say, going the reverse way? Were there things that were planted which maybe don't grow as well in Prince George as they used to? Um, we haven't really found that, um, not, not with what we've grown. Um, we have what we call hardy perennials, and of course, a, a, there's a variety of shrubs that grow grow really well here. So we really haven't run into that kind of problem on, on a big time scale. Now it's called the David Douglas Botanical Garden. I think a lot of people probably know David Douglas is who the Douglas fir is named yes. after. Are there any Douglas firs in the garden? Yes. Huh? Yeah, at the far end, um, there's a pavilion down there. Um, oh at the far end, and um, a lot of people don't go out that far to the garden. It overlooks the city, and there's a big pavilion, a rotary pavilion there, and um, a bunch of flower beds down there. It's a lovely view of the city. Yeah, because I know I have been there, and I agree, a lot of people... I've seen people that can walk through the garden, they can look up close to Ring Road, yep. and then leave again without realizing yep. that there's another part to it. And then we've, we've recognized that, and this year we put up some signs saying, yes. this way, it's called the Northern Lights Terrace, to direct people that way. And part of the problem, too, it's, it's a gravel path, right? Mm. So people, you're right, think the garden ends in that, that smaller area. So by putting some signs up, and um, kind of directing people that way. We hope that they get out there. Okay. Now, you were saying that you are expanding. I'm, I'm taking a wild guess, though, and I'm thinking about where you're at, and I'm thinking, well, they can't really expand it too much where they're at right now, so you must be expanding no. somewhere else. Yes, the university has donated 23 acres yeah. right across from the sports center. If you're familiar with the university, mm -hmm. if you come in, that big bush area, uh, across from the sports center is land that has been donated to us from the university. Wow. So, which is exceptional for a university to do that. But they recognize the importance of it as well. Yeah, I guess the nice thing up there is the university has been planned so well in terms of being able to expand with buildings, and they're realizing yes. they've still got plenty of room, even yes. with that donation. They've still got lots of room to oh, yeah, build more yeah. buildings. Yeah. yeah, they do, yeah. So that's our big expansion right now, and we are, we've um, developed a concept plan. We've had a landscape architect design a plan for us, and we've had um, a building designed for us, and um, we've worked with the university. We have a business case. We've gone out to the community and done consultations, and uh, we're, we're quite excited. It'll be a while, but we're very excited about it. So is this something, I'm guessing, 23 acres, I'm thinking you're not just going to do it all at once and that's no, it? No, no. <laughs> we have what we call phase one, and that will be about 10 acres, and that'll be the building and uh, some of the landscaped and um, demonstration gardens around it. Okay, so now what is, is the building going to be about the garden, or is it going to be about David Douglas, or both? 
The building is, uh, I guess we should call it a visitor center. Mm-hmm. So um, if you think of maybe um, the Railway Museum and um, Exploration Place, it'll be that kind of thing. There'll be information available to people. We're, we're hoping on a gift shop, some meeting rooms, because um, we want to offer some classes on um, plants, and, and our, our master gardeners meet and um, do lectures and things like that. So kind of a multi-purpose building um, for the gardens, and lots of information, of course. Now, how, were the gardens open over the summer? Because I know the university was basically closed down because of COVID. Were people still able to come to the garden? Yeah, our garden isn't closed off at all, oh. nope. And it's an outdoor space, and actually, we think there were more people out in our garden this year to visit it than in Prast, because uh, we have maintenance crews there working most times, and they reported that there were lots of people in the garden this summer, because it was a safe place to go, right? Yep. And we had, it was interesting, because I was up there a number of times, and there were a couple of people that did Tai Chi down by the pavilion. Mm-hmm. Some people, their book clubs met there. Some people had meetings there. Mm-hmm. Um, families, of course, Kids came through there, and yeah, we had a lot of people visiting it this summer, which was great. Yeah. Okay, Linda, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about something that you guys are planning as well that's going to be brand new for the Botanical Garden, and we'll get to that after nine. When does someone become an artist? What drives the creation of a painting? Find the answers to these and other questions in the new documentary from Winnipeg filmmaker Randy Freakus. The iconic Canuck examines the life, work, and passion of BC artist Brandy Satterley. People are attracted to passion, and those who pursue their passions relentlessly, putting it all on the line. To check out this insightful documentary series on BC artist Brandy Satterley from Winnipeg filmmaker Randy Freakus, visit vimeo.com slash iconic Canuck. In an effort to acknowledge the tireless work of restaurants and food service to provide safe dining during the pandemic, the BC Restaurant and Food Services Association has launched the Stand Up for Service campaign. After dining in anywhere across BC, visit bcrfa.com and share your story of the person or business which helped make your experiences welcoming and unique while following the best practices to combat COVID-19. As more and more eating establishments reopen across the province, please remember to bring your good habits with you and be kind. The Tourism Prince George Visitor Information Centre has reopened. Health and safety measures have been developed for the centre, including an occupancy limit of four parties or six individuals, limited gift shop inventory, and plexiglass barriers where physical distancing isn't possible. The Visitor Information Centre is open Monday through Friday from 8.30 to 4.30 and Saturdays from 10 to 4. The Tourism Prince George Visitor Information Centre at 1300 First Avenue reopened to serve you. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Kathy, or sorry, Linda, I'm guessing that um, one of the things that's going to be going in now, you guys are looking for local artists to submit ideas for something. Now, is this going to be part of the Phase 1? Is this part of the expansion? No, this is uh, the... The current garden. Oh, okay. We felt it it was necessary to recognize the garden because it isn't named. Mm. And a lot of people just think it's a UNBC garden. And although the UNBC certainly helps us a, a fair amount, it, it's really a society garden. We, we're the volunteers that have built it and that maintain it. So we thought it was necessary that people knew the name of the garden, and then knew a little bit about David Douglas, like who's David Douglas. So we've put an arbor, I don't know if you've been up there, we built, had an arbor built at the entrance to the garden, 
Mm-hmm. And um, we've, we'll have a plaque welcoming people to the garden and with a little bit of information of David Douglas. And then on top of the plinth that we've been putting that on, we want to have a sculpture. Wow. Yes. So how did, how did the, this whole idea come up? Because I know a lot of people would say, well, we'll just put up a little entrance, we'll put up the plaque, and that's it. Who, where did the idea of having the sculpture come in? Um, it came from, we have a committee, um, mm-hmm. our, our garden committee, and when we, we wanted to put a sign uh, or some identification, some information, and it was thought that, well, instead of putting it on the arbor itself, because we kind of like that to stand alone, we would have a separate little um, monument behind it that, okay. for that, and then it's flat on the top, and we thought we need to have a, a little sculpture there. So now, is this thing, the arbor and the sculpture, is that replacing some of the plants that were already in the no, garden? No, 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 no. The, uh, if you notice, from Ring Road, there's a big space. We have a walkway there mm. now that goes to the perennial gardens. So there's probably maybe 10 feet there of kind of lawn. Mm-hmm. So no, it, it, we had to um, move some of our plants away, but we'll plant again back around it. When they built, we had to move some out but it's not replacing any of our our beds or flowers. So the idea is to make the whole entrance look like if somebody hadn't been up to the garden in a few years, when they come up, they're kind of going, you know, I don't remember that place being here before, but it looks like it's been here. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it it identifies it. Now, what is the, because again, I have not been up there, what is the arbor built out of? Like, is it wood? It's wood. It's, it's yeah, a, it was donated um, wood, and I, I'm, I wasn't involved in. It. I think it's fur, mm-hmm. and it was designed by the World Innovation Center for us. Ah, yes, because that's affiliated with UNBC, yeah. right? So yeah, and then um, you know we had to pay to have it installed mm-hmm. and the footings put in and all of that. So was it's that very nice? Yeah. So was that something where you guys had to again submit? a plan for that to get maybe not zoning approval but to get the approvals for this no, no? we we always keep the university invo- mm-hmm. informed of what we're doing and they like it to to fit in with the rest of the university right yeah. not to be standing out so much so you would or stone or something like that so they didn't have to approve it but we always talked to them about it and uh and our, our society and board approved it so now, the sculpture. Yes. How? What are you doing with that? Because I know you guys are looking for submissions, I guess, from local sculptors. Yes. We, we thought uh, we would like to support the local arts community, and so we've put out uh, a request for submissions. And um, it's, uh, we've, the best advice we've got, we had thought we would go with stone. Mm-hmm. Because we want it to be durable to the weather and uh, damage and things like that. And the best advice we got was to go with metal. That's kind oh, of... Yeah. And um, so that's what our submission is. We're looking for a metal sculpture. And we want it to um, reflect the society, David Douglas, um, horticulture. So we've, we've left it open to artists because um, we, we don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> So are you figuring some of the submissions you're going to get will almost certainly be, like, sculptures, if you will, of David Douglas? We don't want that. No. 
No, okay, we do not want there. a bust yeah. or a sculpture of David. We don't want to go into that. Um, we, we would prefer something. And one of the things that we've tossed around are uh, some Douglas fir cones. You right. know, cones or um, a canoe. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it reflects David Douglas's trips. He, he uh, canoed up the, the Stewart, the Nechaco, the Fraser. Um, maybe something that denotes his explorations or, you know, something to do with trees. But we definitely don't want a bust or a sculpture of him. Wow, okay. So how is this working? Like, what's the deadline for this? The deadline for submissions is the end of December. Wow, okay. So people have got some time to think about it. Yeah, yeah. We put it out almost a month ago, I think. Okay. Have you gotten much, maybe not any submissions yet, because people are probably still thinking about it, but have you gotten much interest from people who are looking for more information? We've got a lot of interest, and we've had two submissions. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. We're very, very, yeah. very pleased. <laughs> I'm wondering whether somebody maybe was up there, looked at the arbor, and kind of thought, you know, this could use something else in here and just maybe started, just in the back of their mind, sort of sketching out something that would go in there. And then all of a sudden you guys say, hey, we're looking for submissions for a statue. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll see what comes in, I guess. We're, like we say, we're, we're pretty much open to anything that, as long as it suits what we need. Yeah. Yeah. So the deadline is the 31st now. Can people only submit one idea? Um, we have said, I think we say it's five drawings. Okay. I, I don't have it with me right now. But yeah, they could certainly submit more than one idea. Okay. Yeah. So, um, if somebody had, even say they were looking at the pine cone ideas, or the fir cone ideas you were talking about earlier, yeah. they could submit like five different designs all incorporating fir cones. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, artists are much more creative. Like we're we're gardeners, right? Yes. <laughs> so we know that gardeners are going to come up with probably things that we haven't even thought of. Mm-hmm. You know, like you say, to combine a variety of different you know the cones with trees and a canoe, or who knows, right? They they they're artists. We're, we're not pine cones paddling a canoe. There you go. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to. It looked neat. People would remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they wouldn't remember it as weird. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've been called that before, but that's okay. <laughs> now, so the deadline for submissions is December 31st. Yes. When will the, I'm assuming there's a committee involved, when will they be making a decision as to who gets the uh, contract, if you will? We hope to um, make a decision within a month okay. um, of the, the submissions coming in. Best case scenario, we would like it completed and mounted in the next summer. Wow. So we, we will, you know, look at it as soon as we can. Mm-hmm. Especially in January. Gardeners aren't busy in January, so we'll, uh, we'll have time to take a really good look at the submissions. I thought gardeners in January were busy with 14,000 seed catalogs. Well, you know, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe less busy, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So now, is the garden... Are the plans for new plants and everything in the garden, are those sort of being held now for the expansion? Are you saying, okay, let's not worry too much about what's happening in the garden that's already there in terms of plants. Let's save all of those ideas for the new part. We, our plan right now is to maintain the garden. Of course, yeah. we always add to it. Like yeah. that, that is, we're not going to let go of that. That's, that's our little showcase. And 
we will continue to add as we need. We have some plans for it for next year. You know, we want to start extending some of those paths out to the Northern Lights Terrace. So there's, mm-hmm. there will always be things that we will work on with that garden. Yeah. As for the big one, that's going to um, involve... Uh, a lot of a lot of planning, and and we will ha- we are in the process of looking for landscape architects to give us design ideas, and they have to fit the um, criteria for a botanical garden too. Mm. I mean, a botanical garden has themes, um, uh, and as we've talked to Brian Minter. I don't know if you know Brian Minter. I, He's I, the garden guy mm. in BC, and he came up, and we've talked to him about you know what 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 we what were your ornamental gardens, what kinds of gardens, and, and, um, and so that will be a, a plan by a landscape architect that will be approved by us, of course, yeah. and, and then, then, then we go from there. So then the next step out there is the sculpture at the entrance to the current garden, and then yep. after that, keep working on the expansion. Yeah, the expansion, and that's ongoing. We, we just, we're just keeping, and we're in the process of starting to do some fundraising, and um, mm-hmm. it's not the greatest time right now to talk to corporations yeah. and people for, for grants because of the virus. But we are, we're looking at grants, and we're continuing to work on that because our planning, initial planning, is pretty much ready to go. Okay. Linda Ness with the David Douglas Botanical Garden Society. If people want more information, either about either because they are a sculptor who's interested in uh, the um, call for submissions, or because they just want more information about the garden, where can they find it? We have a website, uh, mm-hmm. ddbotgarden.bc.ca. We also have a Facebook page, and people can go there. And on there, there are links. Um, if you want to um, email me, it's president at ddbotgarden.bc.ca. Um, but everything is, we have a, a website that has all that information. Okay. Linda Ness, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, my pleasure. Okay. Take another quick break and be back with more after okay. 9. The Indigenous Sport, a Physical Activity and Recreation Council has compiled a return to activity guide. The guidelines are based on recommendations by provincial and municipal health authorities as well as provincial sport and recreation organizations. iSpark continues to monitor the COVID-19 situation and will adopt the guidelines as required. For the latest version of the iSpark return to activity guidelines, visit iSpark.ca. That's I-S-P-A-R-C dot C-A. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council. Move, play, compete. Advanced registration for indoor walking at CN Center is now available. Indoor walking is being offered Monday through Friday from 8.30 to 4 in one and a half hour blocks. The concourse will be closed for a half an hour between each block for cleaning and sanitation. Advanced registration is required to keep numbers within provincially mandated limits. To register for indoor walking at CN Center, phone 311 or visit princegeorge.ca slash register. For more information on walking options, go to princegeorge.ca slash walk. The Maker Lab at Two Rivers Gallery has reopened. If you're wanting to attend with a group of more than four people, you're asked to call ahead as there is limited seating. You're also asked to call ahead if you're booking time with a weaver or wood turner or working on the laser cutter and engraver or 3D printer. To book your space or time, call Two Rivers Gallery at 250-614-7800. The Maker Lab, now open at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. 
Forecast from Environment Canada for today, mainly sunny, wind up to 15k, a high of minus 1 with a wind chill this morning to minus 9. Tonight, increasing cloudiness, snow beginning overnight with wind for the north at 20, a low of minus 4 with a wind chill this evening to minus 10. On Tuesday, snow mixed with rain or freezing rain in the morning, then mainly cloudy with a 40% chance of showers, north winds becoming south near noon, and a high of 4. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And I'm happy to see a lot of groups around the city uh, figuring out ways to work around uh, COVID-19 and uh, keep things going. Um, One of them is a bunch of local theater people working with Theater Northwest on stage readings, where the people just sit up on stage and read the plays. They had one this past weekend. I cannot remember the name of it, but the fellow who produced it said it's a perfect play for this sort of thing. The play is basically two people talking to each other. That's so what that's it perfect is. for a stage reading. <laughs> now, one that's not quite so easy to put together, but they are going to. Judy Russell directing it, Miracle on 34th Street. Ooh. Yeah. One of the all-time Christmas classics, of course. A lot of people remember the movie with, uh, let's see, Natalie Wood. And Edward Gwynn, I believe, was the guy who played uh, Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. So, But that's happening December 11th to 20th at Theatre Northwest. And big surprise. Big surprise. Limited tickets. Oh. Well, you can only have so many people in there because of COVID. So, so they are limiting them. You can get those tickets at theaternorthwest.com. So again, that's a Miracle on 34th Street, directed by Judy Russell, December 11th to 20th at Theatre Northwest, which of course is over on North Nechaco Road. Uh, another thing that uh, was mentioned, I think this release came out a couple of weeks ago, Cold Snap is a go next year. For 2021. Yes. Yeah, Actually, I think they got last year's in, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, they were lucky because of where their schedule is. They're usually end of January, beginning of February, and that was before COVID came around. But I know during the summer, there were a lot of concerns, and it will be different. Gee, where have I heard that before? It will be different. They um, obviously are going to be having um, smaller venues, I would think. Well, maybe not smaller venues, but smaller audiences. Well, weren't there smaller ones this past one as well? I think so. I can't remember. But uh, no, they are going uh, January the 29th to February the 6th. They haven't announced any of the venues or the performers. And again, Cold Snap, they usually get a real good mix of performers. Although I am suspecting, I don't have any inside information on this or anything, so I might be totally off base on this. I'm thinking you may see more Northern BC performers than they normally have simply because of travel. I believe that, yeah. Because I think at this point, anybody coming from out of province especially uh, still has to self-isolate for two weeks. And if you're a musician and you're coming out to do a show in Prince George, you don't particularly want to get out there two weeks ahead of time, do your show... And then leave again, whatever you're going back to, you may have to isolate again for two weeks. You don't want to spend two weeks in Prince George? Not if you're sitting all by yourself. And that, to me, would be the worst of it, is if you were one of the artists who was at one of the later shows, you wouldn't even be able to go out and watch the other performances. No. You would just have to 
self-isolate. I mean, it'd be a great time to you know, write music and stuff like that, if that's what you're into, but not great for getting out, meeting people, that kind of thing. The other thing that'll be interesting, because again, this is something Cold Snap usually does, is all of the artists, the visiting ones and the local ones, all usually do something either earlier in that day or the next day where they maybe do like an acoustic show just for a small group or some of them do songwriting workshops and stuff like that. I'm not too sure how much of that's going to be happening this year for that same problem. Uh, actually, <coughs> actually, I, oh, okay. We will also have our famous daytime outreach series during the week, although we will be doing these through the internet. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I should have read the entire uh, press release. <laughs> Um, they will be presenting live music in front of a small but live audience, if permitted by the provincial health officer. And again, at this point, cross fingers, knock on wood. Ouch. Um, that wasn't wood, Ellen. Yes, it was. That was my head. That's wood. <laughs> that uh, at this point, we are still, I believe, basically in the you're allowed to have 50 people in the facility. And Again, with a lot of these, a lot of it is like one or two artists in a group. Sometimes it's a solo artist, and a lot of them don't even have a band. Mm -hmm. And again, you would have to sort of juggle things because you may have just the one artist on stage, but then you would have like, you'd probably have a sound guy and a lighting guy. They might be the same person. I'm not sure. If there's only the one artist on stage, you might be able to get by with one person or both. So you would be able to have a slightly larger audience numbers-wise, but then, of course, the question of the distancing comes into effect as well. And I definitely think there won't be any mosh pits going on. No. No. I don't think there ever were at Cold Snap. It's not that sort of place. It will be interesting because, again, they always try to have, like, the theme nights as well. Like, they'll have, like, a folk night. They'll have a singer-songwriter night. And they almost always... The last day or the second to last day is usually French-Canadian performers, and that is the beginning of Francophone in Prince George, which is the week of activities put on by Le Sacre de Canadien Français de Prince George. But what's and concerning that, is, like, it's not far away. No. It's and a two, two and a half months. Well, even, yeah. not even, like, time but, will tell. Yeah. And again, some people are saying this is the time where we might start to get into trouble again because people are going indoors again. Back indoors. Yeah. But the thing is, if people are smart, they're going indoors in their small groups again. So we don't have that same problem. You have to, you have to keep your bubble. Yes. Yeah, I think the next big spot will be around Christmas. That's going to be a test. Yeah. A big test. Yeah. But again, that's where Skype, FaceTime, those sorts of things come in handy. Because I know my mom, um, once or twice a week, FaceTimes with my sister, brother-in-law, and sometimes their family out in Alberta. Mm-hmm. It's not quite the same as being there, obviously, but you do get the chance to be together. So it works. It works. Okay. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, and then we will come back and finish things up after nine. Si vous avez présenté une demande d'indemnisation pour des sévices subis dans un pensionnat indien, sachez que les dossiers de votre demande sont protégés. Ils seront détruits en septembre 2027, à moins que vous ne choisissiez de les conserver ou de les partager. Pour en savoir davantage, composez le numéro sans frais 1877 635 2648 ou consultez le site 
www.mesdocumentsmonchois.ca. Check out the Two Rivers Gallery Facebook page for trash and show creations past and present. This year's submissions are from Amelia Merrick, Christina King, Lisa Dixon and Corey Ramsey, and Jana Burgard. Due to COVID-19, the gallery was unable to host the annual Trash and Show, but creations for this year are eligible for submission to future events. It's the Trash and Show Facebook Showcase from Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows online. The Alzheimer's Society of BC has extended their weekly Wednesday webinars into November. Topics include a wide range of challenges faced by those afflicted by Alzheimer's and the people caring for those with dementia. The topic of the next presentation is preparing for the holidays during COVID-19. That's the next Alzheimer's Society of BC educational webinar, Wednesday from 2 to 3. To register or for more information, visit alzbc.org webinars. The Community Arts Council and Six Sigma Productions are proud to present their locally produced short documentary, Creative Paths, Artistic Journeys in a Northern Community. Artists, teachers, entrepreneurs, philanthropists, Creative Paths follows four local artists from contrasting backgrounds and disciplines during their artistic journeys in the central interior. As part of the Community Art Council's 50th anniversary celebrations, the film discusses the struggles and triumphs of the arts community straight from the artists themselves. Creative Paths, Artistic Journeys in a Northern Community, available online at studio2880.com. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And back to wrap things up for a Monday, Alan Wishart and Steve Smith. And if you go downtown to the Coast Prince George Hotel by Appa downtown, and I'm going to sound like the friendly giant here for a second. Look up. Look way up. Oh, the tree. There is a tree. The United Way Tree of Lights is back. They are, uh, it's a 60-foot tall tree. So this is not something that they just, uh, they take it up in the elevator or something like oh, that. No, 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 no. It, uh, it's a, it's a work. I know, again, I keep referring back to things when I was with the free press, because, of course, we went out and got photos of a lot of things, and that was always one where they let us know in advance when they were going to be doing it. And the trick was you were trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to get the picture? Like, do I want to get it with the tree basically lying on the ground in front of the coast just so people can get a better idea maybe of the size? Or do you get it when it's being hoisted? Or do you try to get up on top, which was tough? Well, and the hoist would look make it look big. Yeah. The hoist, hoisting no. up. And again, it um, they are looking for donations. They're setting a fundraising goal of $30,000. And every time they get a donation, they light another, they put another light on the tree. I thought they had a dollar on the lights, a dollar oh, figure. I, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm quickly scanning through <laughs> their uh, press release, and it doesn't have, it just says a fundraising goal of $30,000. It doesn't have anything. Of course, this year, they may actually, I have not been down there, so I haven't seen it. They may already have it lit up simply because they don't want to have to have their people running up and down all the time. All the time. With COVID. Now, the other thing they've got this year is they have another tree in Fort St. John. Oh. Yeah, first time, as far as I know, they've had a uh, tree elsewhere than Prince George. And that is over at the North Peace Cultural Center. And it's uh, their goal there is $10,000. So they are... Uh, it's, a, it's one of those events where it's a great event for the community because you can see that tree for quite a ways. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking now, and I think 
I'm not even sure I'm looking right. Well, I've got a feeling the wall was in the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't just. I just can't quite get an angle on it. There's there's trees between here. Gee, there's trees between here and there, so I can't see the tree. <laughs> can't see the trees for the forest. There you go. Something like that. But again, uh, take a drive down there and uh, see the um, tree of lights up on the top of the uh, Coast Prince George Hotel. And you're probably downtown. right. It probably will already be lit up. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to check that out. Something that, again, has changed this year is the Christmas Hamper Project from the uh, Council of Seniors. Mm -hmm. They are still running it for the seniors in need, but they are not accepting donations of groceries or gifts. They are only accepting donations of cash or grocery store gift cards. They will then use those to purchase the groceries to go in the hampers. Okay. Yeah, they... uh, they are always trying to get the recipient's choice of a turkey or a ham with all the trimmings as well as some non-perishables and perishable foods if they can yeah. to get them through not just the Christmas season but into January as well. But um, they are figuring out how to do this. They are accepting donations of cash or grocery store gift cards, as I say. The applications for Christmas hampers are available at the Seniors Resource Center at 721 Victoria Street or online at pgcos.ca. And I believe you can also make your donations. I think they've got a way you can make the donations online or you can come into their office again. If you're coming into the office, you do have to wear face masks again. they got a big surprise here. Prince George Council Seniors, they're seniors. They're seniors. So they are the ones who, as we're always told, are more at risk for COVID. Um, another local group, maybe not technically a senior center, but pretty close, the Heart Pioneer Center. Mm-hmm. They usually have a uh, fundraising Christmas turkey dinner on the first Thursday of December. Well, they're doing it again this year, December the 3rd, but it's not going to be a sit-down. It's takeout. Takeout? Yes. Again, because they uh, they usually have a fairly good crowd, and they just can't have that many people in the Pioneer Center at one time. And, and they do. And serve the food place. and everything, yeah. So they are doing that. Um, the uh, You can pick it up on December the 3rd at the Heart Pioneer Center between 11.30 and 1. Now, you have to pre-order, though. And you do that by calling the center at 250-962-6712, and you need to do that by Friday, November 27th. So that's what, a week from Friday. I think I've got the cal- I think I'm reading the calendar right from here. Yes. A week from Friday. A week from Friday, you have to have your order in for your turkey dinner from the Heart Pioneer Center. Then you pick it up the following Thursday between 11.30 and 1 at the center. I mean, you go home and enjoy some great food. Uh, one last note, because people may have not been too sure about this, but I saw pictures posted on Facebook from a couple of people this past weekend. Good Sir Nature Park. Mm-hmm. It's open. It's open year-round. It's still open, and it looks spectacular oh, with the bet. snow and everything on all the trees and everything that Jim's got out there. And uh, again, so again, and it's a very, it's a very good place as well for social distancing because there's a lot of room out there, and you can. There's a lot, even if you're not really trying to learn a lot about the uh, botanical exhibits out there mm-hmm. from across Canada. It's just great to go out there and just walk through the woods, enjoy it, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a good trail system. Jim keeps it pretty well maintained, considering it's basically a one-man operation with Jim Good. But um, no. And again, I think um, I do have the phone number here. Um, 250-971-2337 if you want to book a group or for more information. Because again, if you've got a a few people coming out, he'd probably like to know ahead of time so he can make sure that he doesn't have too many people out on the trails at any one time. That will do it, I think, for today's show. Sandra Claremont is in tomorrow after 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita, with guest producer Neil Godbu of the Prince George Citizen. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is 93.1 CFIS-FM in Prince George, proudly supported by community groups like the BC Old Time Fiddlers.